It is an unbelievable privilege of mine this morning to welcome you to the 11 o'clock service of the Houghton Wesleyan Church, uh, to welcome you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and let us worship God together. This morning, I'd, I'd like to particularly welcome all the kids and children and little guys that are with us this morning. Uh, I want you to know that you're such an important part of this community, this, this church, and this worship, and we're really, really excited to have all the kids uh, with us this morning. It gives us a little bit of energy and life and welcome this morning to join us in worship. Would you please stand with me and join in the corporate call to worship? Christ made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Heavenly Father, this morning we acknowledge that the whole world craves an idol craves something to worship and and kneel down to. And we thank you this morning that you are worthy of our praise, of our worship. Your praise, you're worthy of our service and you're worthy of our giving our lives to you and our love. Thank you for that honor to worship you this morning in your name. Amen.
The Old Testament reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 12. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing is in appearance that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities." The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned to a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though, though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear our iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great. And he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand and join with me in the Gloria Patri as we invite the ushers forward.
Heavenly Father, you've been so generous with us. Let us be generous in return as we advance your kingdom. In your name, amen.
Time for prayer. We first have a prayer confession written in your bulletin. We will read together aloud. Let us pray. God, you are reconciling all things to yourself. By entering our world, you revealed the depths of your love to us. In your coming, you gave us life and called us your children. You have been faithful to us, but we confess that we have not been faithful to you. We want to transform us to new creations, but we are content with the old. You want to take us to new depths, but we have settled for the surface. You have set us free, but we hold on to the chains of our past. Forgive us, Lord, for our sins, those we confess those we hide, the things we ignore and justify, and those against our neighbor. Help us to live as citizens of your so that the world sees your glory and your love. Amen. Normally I'd pray at the altar. Our microphone is uh, giving us a little trouble this morning, so I'm going to pray from the pulpit. If you still would like to come to the altar and pray, feel free to join. Let us pray together. Lord, we're in your presence. We are so thankful that you are here with us. Make us ever more aware of your work in our world and in our lives. We thank you so much for Jesus, for inviting us to taste and experience God's love and forgiveness through his selfless sacrifice on the cross. We lift you up, Jesus, and glorify you, risen and coming King. You've also invited us to bring our concerns to you, and they are many today. We pray for those serving in your name around the world today, especially we think of Diane Emmons, who's just arrived in Uganda and will be in Kenya as well, working with young people to give them a new hope because of Jesus in their futures. Pray for Calvin and Paulette Shearer, along with the other medical and dental team in Haiti. That team for the 39th time. Many years of service, but they're with folks this year who've just suffered the hurricane. So, Lord, keep them safe, keep them well, and may their ministry be fruitful. And we know how thankful they are when the Haitians also minister to them. Be with that team this year. Lord, we think of the thousands of fellow believers whose lives or loved ones are threatened by violence and persecution. We can hardly hardly fathom the numbers. Reward their courage amidst suffering and with your presence and your comfort. Another group who need your protection, Lord, are those who whose lives are threatened or impacted by the whims of society or accident or illness. So this is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and we pray that you would bless all the efforts that go into this to save lives and to honor life. 
We're also very aware of the transition that's going on in our own country at this time this week. You ask us to pray for our leaders and those in authority. And our prayer is that your kingdom come and your will be done in the midst of these political changes. Break in on the hearts and minds of all leaders far and near. Open ears and guide our new administration, our new elected officials on all levels. Heal the brokenness on many levels in our land, we pray. Closer to home, Lord, we we pray for the grieving, recent deaths, recent loss, and for those who are sick and ill and need your special touch, you know them each by name. We pray particularly for Pastor West that you'll give him a rapid recovery, ease his pain, and just help him as he steps back into his work. Lord, we thank you for him. Pray today for John Miller, who this morning had a a spell, and we don't know his condition, but we thank you for those who are ministering to him, and we pray for him and all others. Some are here today who have recently suffered illness, and we pray for them. Pray for all. We also pray for this church and the many ministries that are even starting up now with the new school semester and the adult classes, the children's classes, youth work, the ministries and small groups. We just pray that you would bless each effort here in our church. Help us to grow in Christ together. We think of the other churches in our county. We thank you for Pastor Tom Christofferson and the Presbyterian Church of Wellsville. Pray that they with us will be salt and light in this world, lifting up the name of Jesus. Lord, we draw near to you today and pray that all that is said and done will be for your glory. We pray in the blessed name of Jesus, who gave us the example to pray, which we pray together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom power, and the glory forever. Amen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his feet. In his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission.
Amen. I hope that's your prayer and your confidence today. I would ask you to stand and join with me in the New Testament reading. A reminder that all children can go to Children's Church right after uh, the reading this morning. I'll be reading from Luke 22, verses 7 through 20. The Last Supper. Then came the day of the unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This is the word of the Lord. Please remain standing for the hymn to follow.
be seated. Whatever we endeavor to do, we have to begin at the beginning or begin with the basics. About 20 years ago, at the urging of young Jeff Boone, I decided to become a volunteer fireman. And what happened next was Basic Firefighter 101, the first course. Now they've changed the name to something fancier. But it was 42 hours long, and this sermon's going to be 42. No, 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 it's not going to be 42 hours long. (laughs) Ezra, take a deep breath. That's okay. Um, Well, whatever you're learning, skiing, and some people have been out on the ski slopes, what's left of the snow, and piano and guitar lessons in the earlier service, drumming lessons, swimming lessons, you usually start with the basics. Even in, in academics, writing 101. I mean, people actually come to college and need writing 101. We all begin with the basics. I don't like this thing. All right, we're going to get there with the technology here. Today, we're going to keep it simple and talk about communion 101. There's nothing more Christian than what we are about to do together during this hour. To walk forward, some maybe can't walk forward, but wherever we are, to partake of the bread and the wine, symbols of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It's a most simple yet profound act of faith and obedience that says we believe in, we depend on, we're grateful for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe in. We depend on and are grateful for the body of Christ, fellow followers of Jesus. The basic fact is, remembering Jesus at the communion table is looking at Jesus' past in faith and living with Jesus at the present in obedience and longing for Jesus' future in hope. I'm projecting some art today from our daughter Christie's time as a research assistant at Wheaton Grad School under Dr. Scott Moreau, a great friend of mine. And she was uh, helping him collect art from around the globe on the life of Christ. This is a Navajo artist's rendering of Jesus serving the disciples the bread and wine. Remembering Jesus at the communion table is looking at Jesus' past in faith, living with Jesus at the present in obedience, and longing for Jesus, the future with Jesus, in hope. Communion is simply all about Jesus. According to statistics from a very reliable source, the World Christian Database Uh, part of Gordon College or a center for uh, global Christianity at Gordon College uh, Seminary, those of us performing or participating in communion today here in North America represent, want to guess what percent of the global Christian family? 2.5 billion people maybe. I know we can argue about statistics, but taking communion, declaring themselves Christians, we represent only about 10%. 
The churches in Africa and Latin America combined would make 50% of the global Christian body. Europe, including the Russian uh, place, uh, what is it, a country? Yes, the Russian country. <laughs> Europe and Russia would comprise about 16%. Asia, 23%. All I'm saying is, we're just a small part of the body of Christ here, declaring our faith in Christ. Yes, people participate in this meal in a variety of ways, this meal that was instituted by Jesus, some very elaborate, very elaborate ritual, some extremely simple. We even do it different ways right here in this church, sometimes with cups and pieces of bread, sometimes with intinction, which we'll be doing today. I've been handed communion with, uh, like, kitchen glasses. I don't know if we have that picture here. We've had, uh, I've used uh, teacups in some parts of the world. Um, I've had communion. I don't know if that picture is, we've lost somebody maybe here on the slideshow. Yeah, I've got pictures. Okay, there it is. (laughs) I've taken communion with... 18,000 people at University of Illinois for a great InterVarsity Missions Convention, and I've taken the Lord's Table together with a dozen people in a little grass hut on the mountainside in Haiti. Every time, it's been a thrill. It's been a wonderful experience of fellowship with God's people. Some people use the best of wines. Some people, like in Sierra Leone, use our favorite cherry flavor, Vimto. It's a soft drink, kind of sweet and sticky, and uh, it really doesn't matter. Some people take communion with water where necessary and use other things than bread. It's not about the elements so much and the mode and means as it is, what have I said? It's about Jesus. Now, I'm fully aware that there are theological debates about the nature and practice of this meal, We call it communion, which is very close to the word koinonia, that is a fellowship together. We call it the Eucharist, the Thanksgiving meal. Paul calls it the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, a very important passage. And then there are big issues. We've got some theologians here, transubstantiation, consubstantiation, the various theological debates about what's going on here and what the elements represent. I am not downplaying that. It's important. It's a rich and long history. But we're doing Communion 101 today. Simply, Communion is about Jesus. First of all, about his past. We look back at the meal instituted by Jesus himself and filled with meaning about his sacrificial death. It's recorded in three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John talks about the setting, about the the, uh, last evening, the upper room. But in the book of Acts, right away, in Acts chapter 2, the disciples, thousands gathered in, but they didn't have a cathedral to go to, so they went to their homes and they broke bread together. Continues throughout the book of Acts. And then, of course, in the the epistles, there are references to the communion meal, the Lord's Supper, in many different places. We remember the past that Jesus was foreseen in the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament. He was there at creation when God said, let us make man in our image. And all through the Old Testament, you have types of Christ and Christ is foreseen. 
But I especially love the prophets and the prophet Isaiah who talks about the suffering servant. In the passage which we read today as our Old Testament reading, he was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Yes, at the right time, the servant came. And after three years of compassionate ministry and tender ministry, Jesus himself instituted this supper around the Jewish Passover meal that was introduced thousands of years before at the time of the Exodus when Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt. God made a promise, a covenant, that if they killed the special lamb and sprinkled its blood over the doorposts, he would spare their people from judgment. And so the Passover meal was instituted. And as a faithful Jew, Jesus celebrated this with his disciples. In that week in Jerusalem, the week where his own death would suddenly break on the scene, he was showing his bewildered disciples that he had to die for the forgiveness of sin. In fact, in the Matthew passage of this supper, he says, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for, for many for the, for the forgiveness of sins. This is my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus was deliberately and symbolically transferring the meaning to his upcoming sacrificial death on the cross as a covenant and as an offering, an atonement for our sins. This was the blood of the new promise. And from that moment on till now, this supper... This Lord's Supper is basically the central act of worship of the church. At the Lord's Supper, this communion table, we hear Jesus say, Do this in remembrance of me. There is a profound, life-giving, precious meaning to to remembering Jesus' past, final work on the cross. So I'm adding a few pictures here from around the globe. of artists' renditions or depictions of that Last Supper in the past. This one is from Sri Lanka, an artist there depicting Jesus serving his disciples. There's one from Cameroon. It's kind of special to me today because our middle daughter, Christy, just arrived in Cameroon to join a couple weeks with her sister and our family there. I like this one. It's very African. And China... And from another African country, the Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo, an artist. After the early service, Mike Jordan decided he wants this PowerPoint for his Bible study, his small group this week. Maybe you ought to go join his small group, commercial. Anyway. And last one is Nicaragua. But also communion is about Jesus in the present. He said, as oft as you do this, and we're doing it today. Yes, communion demonstrates a lot about our present relationship with Jesus and with the rest of his followers, fellow believers, here in this room and as we're trying to illustrate around the world. 
We're together. Jesus is here. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Later, not talking about communion so much, but to one of the churches in, in Central Asia, or in Asia Minor, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them, and they with me. Jesus likes these meals together. <laughs> There's a Swiss Catholic lay theologian, Hans Kung, who says, First and foremost, the Lord's Supper is fellowship with Christ. We must think about this both personally and corporately. Let's talk personally, individually first. It's fellowship with Jesus. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. Are we drawn to him, longing for him? Are we seeking to know him, to be close to him? Do we have sins that need forgiving? Have we, are we rejoicing in the sins he has forgiven and the redemption he has given to us? It is a time to confess sins. I may have told this before, but as a preschooler, a little squirt, I was aware of my sin. Parents have a lot to do with this. I lived on Tucker Hill, a house that is no longer there, and my mother flipped the organ lid, uh, the organ lid, the oven lid down. Organ lid? I don't think we have an organ lid. The oven lid down, and there, kneeling on the kitchen floor, I confessed my sin. I said, I want the Lord Jesus to wash my heart clean. I hadn't been to school yet. But I understood that I needed fellowship with Jesus. That's why at Houghton Church we welcome children. Jesus said, allow the children to come. Unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Who would dare say, don't come? (laughs) Yes, it is an individual time to reflect. And by the way, there's a great little booklet in the back for children, for families, to talk about communion with their children. Christians have a unique relationship with Jesus. He's the bread of life. And he says in John chapter 6, a whole passage, it's very complicated. Feed on me. What are we, cannibals? No. He talked about this as a symbol. This is a symbol of my, my bond, our intimate bond, and what I have done for you. But we're to become one. Paul talks about it as Christ in me. And he also talks about it as me in Christ. Figure that one out. It's a wonderful, mysterious image that we fellowship with Christ and we do it here at this table. It is a mystery. But Wesleyans and John Wesley believes that it's a means of grace. What's that mean? So many times I've come to communion right here in this church or far away in Africa or in Russia or places I've been. And there have been needs on my heart. There have been sins to confess. There have been discouragements, a sense of loss. And I needed Jesus. And I can't explain it, but I leave different. I've met Jesus. He's been there. He's ministered to me. Wesley said, do you use this at every opportunity? Talking about communion. With solemn prayer and with earnest and deliberate self-devotion, we could debate how often and so on. But don't stay away from this table if you long to be with Jesus. As mysterious it is, he's here with us and offering his grace. I want to talk a bit about corporate, taking the communion together. 
It is a fellowship with each other. We see it again right away in the book of Acts. Immediately they began breaking bread. So once again, Hans Kuhn. It is fellowship with Christ and so fellowship with other Christians. Our common union with Christ naturally leads to a union of those who share the Lord's Supper amongst themselves. The one is not possible without the other because they all partake of the same bread, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we do it together. And that's why we do practice open communion here. It's not about exclusion, about judging one another. It's not about our denomination. It's not about our church or our differences. It's about Jesus. If we believe in and love Jesus, we come. And it demonstrates unity in the midst of diversity. In Acts chapter 2, there were Greeks and other speaking language people, other cultures there breaking bread together. We know it got a little sticky a little later. But I love Ephesians chapter 2, and I toyed with preaching with Ephesians chapter 2 today about the great wall, a barrier being broken by Jesus. And in missiology, we call that the great Ephesian moment, which today is multiplied by the hundreds as you think of the cultures of the world that make up the body of Christ. Imagine that. We're diverse, so diverse, and yet we're one in Christ. Paul says there's neither Greek nor Jew nor slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ. What are we today? There's no room for mistrust, for bullying, slander, anger, party spirit, nationality, pride. We leave that behind when we come to this table or we get at it right away and make sure it's right. I've been there. I read Christianity Today, and it just came out. Mark Galley, the editor-in-chief, talking about the transition that we face right now in our country this week. And there's been a lot of division. He says, we can speak charitably to one another about our disagreements, taking the time to find out what each other believes and why. We can stop saying implicitly or explicitly, I have no need of you. And we can continue to literally break bread with one another in our churches and in our homes, praying earnestly for one another, warmly calling each other brother and sister in Christ. Maybe we have some homework to do. So there is so much to remember and to examine about Jesus and us in the present at this meal. Finally and briefly, let's talk about communion is about Jesus in the future and by our great and our great hope. He came, he served, he died, he gave us this meal, he rose from the dead, and he will return triumphantly. I can be brief because two weeks ago you had a sermon about the second coming for me. Many of you were here, not all of you, and I won't go into all that again. But the apostle explains to the Corinthians about the Lord's Supper that whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim his death until he comes. So we're supposed to do it until he comes. But that also gives us the idea that there's a hope. We come today full of hope, anticipating a future because it's his future. To the disciples that night, they were sad and confused. But Jesus was already looking beyond to the next 
beyond the next frightful hours to what he was going to accomplish on the cross and to the resurrection and to his future kingdom. It's referred to in the passage. One of my favorite New Testament scholars is Archie France, who says, what was about to happen at the Last Supper was not the end, but a new beginning. The kingdom of God was becoming a reality. The future was not a funeral, but a feast. Indeed, one day we're going to celebrate another meal with Jesus. Jesus liked meals. did a lot of his ministry around meals. I once pastored a church that was against church suppers. And I said, how can you read the Gospels and be against church suppers? June 29th, lunch, Sunday lunch, don't forget that. All right. So we look forward to the marriage feast of the Lamb, described in the last book of the Bible. And I have a picture here of a Brazilian artist's depiction Reminds me of the Aboriginal Australian artists, very much like their artwork. And here's a Brazilian. Uh, I can't tell you what all is in that picture. But it's a feast we're looking forward to with Jesus. So at communion, we look ahead to the day when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Communion's about Jesus. It's about our Lord Jesus, past, present, and future. So let's pray together, shall we? Jesus, we're thankful and full of thanksgiving for all that you've done for us and that you've invited us to partake in this meal. A meal that reminds us of your great love and sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. We confess our need of you. We affirm our faith in you. We declare our love for one another because of you. We commit our lives and future to you. Bless these elements of bread and juice as they represent your body and your blood given for us. Be very present and real to each one and to all of us as we celebrate this meal together. We pray in your name. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, gave thanks to the Father, saying, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. This is the cup of my new covenant. The new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink this, in remembrance of me. Many of you know the routine or the way we'd go about this. This is, we're celebrating with intinction, which means you'll be uh, dismissed by your aisle. Come down the center Dip bread into the cup, eat. You may pause as long as you wish at the altar if you want, or then return by your uh, outer seats, outer rows to your seats. Uh, For those who find coming to the front difficult and prefer, Pastor Cindy has uh, wafers and small cups and can serve you at your seat. We also have gluten-free cups and uh, wafers and a cup here.
should be clear from the message that we do practice open communion. This may be your first time. You may not be a member or regular attender. But we practice open communion at the Wesleyan Church. And if your heart is open to God and you are seeking to be near to Jesus and to be in love with those around us who receive communion together, come and receive these gifts from our gracious Heavenly Father.
Trust you leave with a sense of renewal, a sense of the joy and celebration of being in his presence. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. Amen.